0: Well, again, good morning and welcome, and for those that are you, who are tuning in live, we just sang this incredible song about being opened, and while we were singing it, I received a word from the Lord, and it's a word in Aramaic, so you all are going to be familiar with it. But um, if you'll remember the, the gospel lesson where Jesus heals the, the girl who can't speak, and he says the words, And that means be opened. And that word, I think, is a really important word, I think, from the Lord that we're receiving today, that we really need to be open to what God is doing during this time. I'm so grateful for our contemporary worship band. All of them, they're so so talented. And the first song we sang today, Justin and I already had a little moment about, this this song goes back 20 years for us, a very powerful song. So it's really great to be here today and to have the opportunity to offer the sermon, And this week, my children have already started um, school. We're three days into online digital classrooms. And I've thought a lot this week about this COVID time that we're living in and how different things are just now than they were at the beginning of March. And there's so many things that I miss that I think we miss, uh, but there's also some things I think to celebrate. You might not know this uh, if you're tuning in at home by yourself or, or with your family, but about 400 people are tuning in to this contemporary service every Sunday. 400. That's an incredible community of saints who are gathered, even while we're distanced, to worship God and to support each other. One of the struggles that I have when I come here on Sundays to preach or to celebrate the Eucharist is that I look out and I miss you because you're not here physically. I walk into this empty space on a Sunday and I have this sense of loss, but when I remember how many of you are here with us spiritually, then it doesn't feel so lonely. It gives me hope that our God is working miracles and growing God's church, even during this pandemic. In our gospel lesson today, we encounter Jesus asking his disciples, who people say the Son of Man is? And the Son of Man is another way of saying the Messiah. It's a title that Jesus uses from himself throughout Matthew's gospel. Who do people say the Son of Man is? This is an important question for the immediate followers of Jesus, and it's an important question for us to consider today. Clearly, the people of Jesus' day weren't quite sure who he was, and the response to the question that day were varied. People were saying that the Son of Man was John the Baptizer, or Elijah, or Jeremiah, or another prophet. And if you've never read the Old Testament in its entirety, it's difficult to really understand why people might expect that the Messiah of God to be one of these people who is named. So I'll encourage you to read the books of Jeremiah and 1 Kings to get a sense of how awesome these prophets were. And if we ask today, who do people say that Jesus is? We'd also get a myriad of responses, right? Just as he did when he asked his disciples. Many people throughout the world today have various opinions on who Jesus was, and no doubt you've heard some of them. Some people say that Jesus was a prophet. Some say he was a great teacher or a healer. Some people say that Jesus was a mystic, or perhaps a political rebel. Some say that Jesus was a Jew of the Essene school, and some even say that Jesus was an Episcopalian. Now, you'll notice in our reading that Jesus doesn't care to respond to the guesses of what, what other people think. It's really just the setup, right? Right. Instead, he immediately reframes this question for his disciples and for you and I. But who do you say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is? That's what truly matters today. Peter gets it. Peter proclaims that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God, the one who is coming into the world. And Peter understands that Jesus is the one who will fulfill God's promises the one whom God sent to save the world. And notice how Jesus responds to Simon Peter when he proclaims that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus blesses him. And so it is for everyone who names Jesus as Lord. And yet saying that Jesus is Lord is not the end. It's only the beginning of a life of faith, a life lived out following him in all that we do. Now to follow Jesus, and you'll remember that after this story, his direction shifts towards Jerusalem and to the cross and his death. For us to follow Jesus, to walk the way of God, requires us to go against some of the most basic urges of human nature. Sometimes it requires that we deny our own needs and desires. And speaking words the disciples would only grasp after his death, we have to take up our own cross and bear it. It doesn't work for us to focus on saving our physical life. That's the surest way to lose it spiritually, Jesus says. Every other value in the world, Jesus says, pales in comparison to having A life lived in right relationship with God and with other people. And that's the nature of who Jesus is. This is what it means to know him as Savior. This is what it means to follow him in the way of God. This is how it becomes personal for us. This is how we match what we say with how we live. What we believe with how we follow Jesus with our actions in our lives. It means giving up ourselves for other people in a way of sacrifice and unselfishness. It's giving up particular interests or time or possessions when the purposes of God require us to do so. It's letting the will of God take priority in our lives, even over our own will. It means putting God at the very center of our life. It is in the words of our baptismal covenant, renouncing all sinful desires that draw us away from the love of God. That figurative cross that we carry with us, following Jesus, represents the price that we pay for our Christianity. It's the cost of discipleship, the way we remain connected with God, and it's the answer to the question, who is Jesus? Though the answer, the response of losing our selfishness for the sake of God, it's highly personal, we don't act on it alone. We're lucky to be able to carry our crosses in the company of a large, faithful band of followers of Jesus. And we gather every week here spiritually, and we meet Christ in the Eucharist through which we relive Jesus' sacrificial death. My friends, how we identify Jesus will impact the way that we interact with one another and with the earth. How we identify Jesus will impact our economic decisions, which job to take, where to live, what to purchase, and whether to share with those who are in need out of our abundance. How we identify who Jesus is will impact how we face trials and frustrations in our lives, And how we identify who Jesus is impacts how we understand our very selves. If we say that Jesus is a great teacher, then we can place him on that same shelf where all the great teachers are kept to be called upon when needed. If we say that Jesus was a prophet, then we can treat him like all the other prophets, sometimes heeding their warnings, but often ignoring their messages altogether. But if we say that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the one true God, then every action we take, every decision we make, will be guided by our foundational identity as followers of Jesus and as beloved children of God. Who do you say that Jesus is? Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your words to us this week. We thank you for your faithfulness in our lives. We pray for a deeper sense of our identity as followers of Jesus and as your beloved children. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Invite you to stand where you are and let us join with the church through the ages in affirming our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty,